Hey, what's up? This is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, The Why of the Music Biz. Today we've got Walt Smith in the house. He is a bass player, a tour manager, and an all-around awesome person. We got to have a conversation with him about what are the important things for making it into the music industry and staying in the music industry while keeping a family or relationships intact as well, too. So here's the thing I'm going to say. There are... I kind of wish I had a pen or a pencil in hand during this entire conversation. I think you guys are going to want to as well. So take notes or at least open up a note on your iPhone while you're listening to this. There's a lot of stuff you can take away. So if there's any aspiring touring musicians or artists or people who maybe want to be tour managers, we're we're touching on a little bit of a different topic today and kind of hearing what goes on in the road and what, what are some of the skills required to become a tour manager. And he also gives away the key for success in the music industry. So listen for that. And uh, before we jump into the interview, we just want to make sure you guys are aware, June 13th through 15th, experienceimmerse.com, experienceimmerse.com. If you haven't got your tickets yet, make sure you do. We're going to be there hanging out. We're going to be there alongside Lauren Daigle, Stephen Curtis Chapman, and many others. And if you're wanting to learn how to get into the music business, if you're a producer or an artist or a songwriter, this is the place for you to be. Don't miss it. June 13th through 15th, experienceimmerse.com. And let's jump into the interview. We're here on the Full Circle Music Show, and we got Walt Smith in the house today. Hello. Thanks for... Uh, Taking an hour of your time to come over here. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. In case you guys don't know, Walt Smith is an incredible person, first of all. Second of all, an incredible bass player, tours with an artist you may have heard of called Jeremy Camp, uh, and is also a great tour manager, which we're going we're gonna to touch on some today, and has also worked a lot on the artist management side. So we've got a little bit of a jack of all trades, you could say. Master of none. <laughs> Master of all. <laughs> So, yeah, that's awesome. Tell us about your uh, your story and your journey into music. How did you first get into it? Started in church when I was very, very young, and about 12 is when I picked up bass and played throughout church, in and out of rock bands uh, when I was young. Um, 80s was huge back then, so I had the long hair and all. Oh, yeah. And continued through high school. Um, after graduating high school, went to college, but was in and out of bands uh, through college, still playing in church every weekend. And once I graduated, I actually had grown up in the same church as a, a friend of mine named Warren Barfield, who ended up getting a record deal. An amazing, amazing artist, uh, one of the most talented artists I've ever played with, played for. When he moved to Nashville, um, he had contacted me about playing bass. He also needed a tour manager. So I jumped on that opportunity, uh, moved to Nashville at that point, and started playing for Warren and uh, tour managing. And back then, uh, Warren was kind of just starting out, so I tour managed, played bass, did merch, was also the World Vision rep because he he uh, partnered with World Vision, so kind of did it all, just took care of all the day-to-day for Warren, those kind of things. As time went on, had an opportunity uh, to um, uh, meet Jeremy and meet the guys, and uh, they ended up needing a bass player. So they kind of just transitioned out of Warren's camp into Jeremy and have been there ever since. It's been about eight years now. So so are Jeremy and Warren like arch enemies now? No, no, man. Uh, Warren, Warren was extremely supportive. Uh, we're great friends, and, uh, man, he was extremely encouraging and, and wanted me to go that route, and so... Uh, Warren is an amazing guy, and 
anybody who meets him falls in love with the guy. He, yeah. He's, he's got everyone's back, so he, he loves it. That's awesome. I was, I was joking about that, but uh, <laughs> my, my question, because I think that's awesome what you said. When you first started out with Warren, you were playing bass, you were tour managing, you were doing merch. Sounds like you kind of just did whatever was needed. Absolutely. Uh, and I wanted, I, you know, I wanted to learn. Uh, the key to success in our industry in music is just diversifying. You know, It's just like investments. You're diversifying your time. You're diversifying your, your talent because you just never know. I mean, in playing, you got a lot of time on your hands, you know, and, and idle time is never good. So I, I think it's wise to, to take that time and, and make some income and, and learn all you can about the industry because it, it, it all overlaps you know, in our industry, a lot of it overlaps. And, and, uh, I think it's just a good steward of your time to, to make money while you've got it, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's, that's a nugget right there. I, I think, uh, if you're taking notes out there, write that down. He just threw out a, a, a gold nugget. The key to success in this industry is diversifying yourself, Absolutely. being able to do more than just one thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it, eventually you, you maybe get to a point where that's all you do is play bass or run lights or whatever it is. But nowadays, that's kind of a rarity. Absolutely. I tell most people, especially if someone's moving to town and I talk to them, I mean, I got Jeremy's gig directly related to a merchandise gig I'd taken. So that relationship on how I met Jeremy was through a merchandise gig. You know, I tell people, you know, you never know. I might go back to a merchandise gig. <laughs> so yeah. um, the window to playing is very, very small. Sure. You know, and you can only do it for so long, especially if you want kids, you want a family. I mean, the road life is yeah not always conducive to that. So yeah. Um, so how you're carrying yourself, even in those quote unquote merch gigs, if that's not what your main thing is, how you're carrying yourself is everything. Absolutely. And that's what I tell people here, to, you know, when I talk to them as well, is every gig is an audition for next gig. And, and what I mean by that is no matter what you're doing, you're building relationships and that's going to translate into your reputation and if people are going to call you for anything. Talent's important, but it's it's probably fourth or fifth down the, the list of why you're going to get a call, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I play bass. I tell people, man, in Nashville, all you need to play is eighth notes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can do okay on eighth <laughs> notes, uh, you're good. But what matters is uh, how you treat people. Um, what what the hangs like. If you're a good, a, just a good, natural person, you're going to come prepared. Got great gear that's maintained. And there's a lot of factors that that are all going to play into that. And 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 talent. You know, uh, it's just assumed if you're on the road that that you can handle the job. You know. So, yeah. That's amazing. The nuggets per minute is very high in this interview already. <laughs> <laughs> Every gig is an audition for the next gig. Is that a trademarked Walt Smith? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's patent pending. Okay, <laughs> it's patent pending. I love that, and and I also love talent. Is you know a lot of people think, well, I don't have the talent, I don't have the skill set, I I'm not that great of a singer or musician, but I'm passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's more important than even? Personally, I do. I do. I, th- I think so. Um, when I was young, I mean, all I did was was try to just get these killer chops and, and, and play all these things I could never play, you know. Uh, and then I get to Nashville, and, and what mattered in my instrument specifically was, you know, pocket and, and just realizing playing for the song and and uh, your your supporting instrument and and uh, uh, to be more musical and. It, it, that's what matters, you know, the character of what you're playing, the taste in what you're playing, and, and making it feel good and making it groove. And 
especially in the particular uh, genre I play, the message is the most important. So yeah. you're wanting to support that message. And I think that's the case in, in any style of music. I mean, the lyric and, and the point of the song is what you're trying to get across. So you want to make sure that you're supporting that message and not taking away from it. That's great. When did you first move to Nashville? How, how many years ago was that with, uh, with the first Warren Barfield thing? Probably 12 or 13 years ago that I've moved to Nashville. Maybe 13. This is probably the 13th year. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. That's awesome. So how many days a year on average have you been on the road? Is, can you even figure it out or does it change? I would probably say, I mean, that's always hard for me. 200 maybe would be a, a, a good number to probably hit yeah you know we're gone quite a bit i love being on the road i absolutely love it uh so if if i'm not out with jeremy and we have some time off i try to go out with someone else so i i love a lot of it. now i'm i don't have family yet so sure you know that changes everything when you have wife and children and those kind of things but um at this point it's it's great to be out that's great well you answered my next question of of, of saying do you do you love it and what is it that keeps you doing 200 shows a year because i know that's not i know from experience that being on the road is not all you know what you imagine it as or what most people imagine it as correct it, it isn't and and a lot of people think it's glamorous but then you you show up at a venue and you feel like a teenager again because you're bumming rides off everyone because you don't have a car and you're kind of at the mercy of a, a runner who's gonna do you a favor and take you to go see a movie and come pick you up so it's not what most people think but i love it it's funny because I absolutely love playing music, but what I've realized as I've been doing it all these years is that I actually love the travel part of it more. I mean, you're, you're getting to see places I never thought I'd see. I've been very, very blessed to see countries I never thought I'd go to. So there's a lot of that. I mean, that part of it is a dream come true to me. But you're meeting the coolest people in the world. I mean, our, our industry is full of literally the best people you can meet. Um, and you're just meeting those guys on a, guys and gals on a routine basis, and you're friends with bands, and it's a different life, you know, because you'll see people for one day, you know, get really close to them during that day, and you won't see them for another year, and then you pick right back up where you left off. So it's it's just a a different kind of of lifestyle. Um, it's hard to explain unless you've you've been there, you know. Sure. So let's say just a little hypothetical situation. Let's say I am, I'm just going to change my name to Johnny for a second. Hello, Johnny. I'm Johnny. I'm, uh, I'm 18, looking to move to Nashville. Uh, I'd love to get into uh, playing bass for Keith Urban. You know, where, where would I even start on my journey? What, what are the, some of the, the key things that I need to know? Sure. I get this question a lot, um, and I do talk to a lot of young guys. And the first thing I would say is relocate to Nashville. It's kind of mandatory that you're here. It's the old adage, out of sight, out of mind. If you're not here, uh, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not going to be good enough for me to have the expense of flying you in or mm-hmm. having to deal with all the logistics. Because there's, you know, every every guy and girl waiting tables here is a better player than I'll ever be. I mean, it's just how mm-hmm. it is with a lot of talent here. Wow. Second, uh, even before you move, and this is the most important thing, I would say do your best to get out of debt or stay out of debt. To me, in my opinion, debt is the biggest killer of a musical career. <laughs> if you can get out of debt and stay out of debt, the road's going to be your best friend and it's going to enable you to, to play music and chase your dream. Uh, third would be adjust your expectation of 
finances and income. So you probably won't make as much as you think you're going to make playing music, but it depends on how you define success. So to me, living my dream was the success, not the financial gain. So if money is your motivator, uh, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but if money is a motivator, like, man, I want to have this huge house and super nice car and and that's your thing, I would just really think about if music's the route you want to go. But you can make a living. It just depends on how you define a good living. And to me, you know, if I made millions of dollars a year, I'd still just want to do this. So mm-hmm. it was worth me taking the sacrifice financially to live a dream. So those are the biggest three things I usually say. Like, hey, just the reality is I'm not trying to discourage anyone because I think it's very, very possible. And you know, I think there's plenty of work. And I think if you have the the will to do it and you feel like this is like a calling of yours and I say pursue it especially if you're young man because you've got time pursue your dreams because you're going to look back and you're never going to regret pursuing a dream but have realistic expectations so I, I never try to discourage anybody I just want to make sure that they have that they know the real expectations that they need to have of, of what yeah. yeah that's good man that's that's really good I'm I'm still Johnny and that helps me a lot so I'm moving to Nashville I'm uh, I'm gonna stay out of debt. Why awesome. Why should I stay out of debt? Well, because if you move to Nashville in debt and you're looking for a gig and you're you know uh, you can't really find a gig or you've got to get a a, a full time job or even a part time job to pay all the bills that you have, a lot of stuff that happens in Nashville is last minute. A lot of stuff. So like, hey man, you you get a call and you've got to be on the bus the next day and you've got to learn 14 songs for your set because you're filling in for somebody, which a filling can always lead to a permanent gig immediately. You know, you're like, well, I can't because I've got to work tomorrow or I can't be gone a week because I have to work because I got a car payment or a credit card payment or whatever. So that limits you. And uh, it's hard to juggle a lot of that. Um, so if you have no debt, and your car's paid off because you've got a thousand dollar car that you're driving. You can't impress a lot of the girls, but it doesn't matter. You know, you yeah. get to, you get to live your dream. So it just depends. It's extremely important to stay out of debt. I mean, it's I can't say enough about that. Mm, that's good. Well, uh, that's really helpful. And I'm me again. I'm I'm transitioning in sure, the, yeah, in the role it. play back to myself. <laughs> but that's that's really helpful. I think. Uh, I think a lot of people would do things differently if they maybe didn't put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is you're not going to let the tail wag the dog, so to speak, and go move down to Nashville and get a $2,000 a month apartment, so to speak, because maybe that phone call that you get the next day would not, you know, maybe maybe it's not going to pay the rent or whatever, you know. Do you feel like there was seasons where you had to kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, early on. I mean, everybody always says that working in music is like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you can kind of do to either prepare yourself for that or to kind of get yourself through maybe maybe you're going a season without a tour or a merch sure. gig or whatever? Uh, you have to be uh, extremely disciplined, plan ahead. So uh, watch your spending for sure. You know, when for two months you're making a lot of money, don't go buy it out and just spend it all. You've got to uh, set yourself up on a budget, and you've got to plan for the months that uh, that are going to be pretty slim. Um, so usually January's a down month in music, May's a down month, 
for what I do. So you've got to plan for those months. Um, so the months that you do really well, you put that in the bank and you kind of plan, okay, well, these are these are my minimum bills and you kind of set that out and, and make sure you've had that for the months you have no work. I mean, that's it's extremely, extremely important. Yeah. Another thing to think about is you're self-employed, so you have taxes. Yeah. So a lot of times um, what we do is a 1099 contract for hire kind of thing, so you are self-employed. You've got to think about that. You're going to owe the government quarterly payments, which I would recommend doing quarterly payments. I think it's very important to uh, get an accountant who knows what they're doing, mm. get a CPA who can uh, who's familiar with with music and, and knows what you can write off. Because uh, the good thing about being self-employed, especially in music, is there is a ton that you can deduct from your taxes, which helps. And uh, the government allows a, a lot of that, which is, is huge for us. So that's one thing. What uh, are some of those things that you can write off? Because that's, that's a good little... Oh Maybe man! Tip for some people who aren't taking advantage of that. Absolutely, um, you can write almost any gear you can write off. What's great about music, being musicians, any songs that you buy on iTunes, you can actually deduct. So you mm. can deduct that as musical research. There's some debate out there whether you can deduct um, wardrobe and and grooming, like haircuts and the things you buy. Um, that depends on the accountant, and, and would depend on the auditor if you ever to get audited, but. Man, there are so many deductions that you can do playing music. I think the point here is make sure that the person that you're using is competent in your field of specialty. Absolutely. I think you could definitely go to H&R Block and get whoever, but if they don't know the music industry, they're going to look... I mean, we can speak from personal experience on this, having been on the other end of it, but we used to work with an accountant that just did not understand the so they're like okay you you put 80,000 miles on your vehicle that year how is that even possible they're not going to let that and it's like well if you look at our tour schedule it's pretty easy to explain absolutely yeah <laughs> but they don't get that stuff or merchandise they don't understand the whole inventory mm-hmm. um you know cost of goods sold just the whole the whole thing you you need somebody who really specifically understands your industry and when they see hey Here's a trip to uh, H&M. You know, mm-hmm. they were shopping for a photo shoot. Any, right. any other person at H&R Block's like, well, you can't write off clothes. Right. And the biggest thing for, for me um, is uh, the per city per diem. So uh, when, we, uh, when we're gone, uh, say you're gone 200 days a year, you literally can go through every city you were in and you can take a government allowed per diem for that city, which is not just the normal standard $46 a day. Some cities will be $128. So when you add all that up, instead of just deducting just your food, say, for business expenses, you can take per diems if you travel, and that's huge. So it would turn, you know, say a $2,000 write-off into an $8,000 write-off. And it's completely, that's what the government allows you to do. So um, a lot of those things are are, they're necessary for a musician at the end of the year. That's so. phenomenal. I I never knew that. So thank you for that That's tip. Awesome. Where where does somebody find? Is there a database that they can mm-hmm. go to to find this is what it is per city? Yeah, absolutely. You just plug. You get it's a it's a us.gov site where you go in and every year is different. Now you're you're doing the year in arrears, so you, we wouldn't know what it was for 2016 yet. But when you're doing your 2015, you literally just put the city in, and it will give you a spreadsheet of these different deductions we uh, are on a bus so i can't take the lodging deduction and sometimes lodging's paid for so i won't be able to take that deduction but you can take the meal deduction 
even if you're getting a per diem. So it's a great way to to deduct it off. And I can I can show you it's yeah it's pretty amazing. So. That's phenomenal because I mean if you're a artist who's touring and you know a lot a lot of bands in the beginning especially are you know paying for their own hotels they're mm-hmm. paying obviously for their gas they're paying for their own food and stuff so that's a really good resource absolutely so how do they know if you're in las vegas for a show versus <laughs> oh, sure yeah i mean um i mean you're you're gonna have to if you were to ever get audited yeah. you would just need to take your tour schedule and improve that or if you had any credit card receipts that prove that you were in las vegas um you know so obviously you would need to document all that and um, i keep i keep pretty pristine records as far as documentation yeah but if you ever pay for anything on a credit card on the road you're going to be able to prove hey we were on the road this time we were doing you know we were in this city sure. so there's a lot of ways to actually prove that you know but a lot of a lot of doing your taxes is is the government's just going to kind of take you at your word and unless something looks really really fishy i mean Obviously, you you want to be honest on your taxes, so that's government's not something you want to be dishonest with. But you know, when you're looking at all that, you, you can just uh, if you were to ever get audited, you be able to to prove that. So well, there's there's the takeaway: just be honest on your taxes, and you don't have to worry about it. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's Keep not <laughs> worth. Yeah, it's not worth it. Along the other lines too, when we're talking about finances and taxes and things, the other the other thing I would I would recommend guys moving in, and I, I know this is all kind of boring stuff. No, this is this is great. You know, I think this show, we talk about the why a lot. We talk about, you know, the reason for doing stuff. But I think it's important every now and then to to get some real action points that people can start applying today. Yeah, well, you know? I can say this. I can see a 19-year-old drift away when I start talking about this, but it's extremely important. You're coming into a field where you're self-employed. You would, you want to start thinking about retirement. Retirement's a big deal, too. Um, so even if you're putting 50 bucks away a year, try to try to think about your retirement uh, when you're a self-employed musician, you have zero retirement, yeah, and uh, you're paying very little into Social Security. I personally don't put a lot of faith in Social Security. Um, I think it's up to me to take care of myself in my later years. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's another thing I tell young guys who move here to start thinking about. I mean, because there's literally people my age and older who still haven't put anything in for retirement. Yeah, you know, and they're, you know, I, I know a couple of guys who are literally in their mid 40s who have zero retirement yeah. and that that's a that's a terrifying position to be in you know yeah. so um so just just be thoughtful i mean you know be intelligent with your life you know and 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 just know that at some point you're going to have to not work and you need money so i want to switch gears a little bit and talk about tour management sure i'm fascinated by it. what what does a tour manager do there are standard things tour managers do. Some do more than others. A lot of it overlaps with management and merch. It just depends on on what your specific role is. It depends on the artist, how um, how much responsibility there is to divvy out. So at someone who is operating at Jeremy's level, who has you know 10 plus people on the road, um, you've got a dedicated tour manager just doing that, taking care of logistics and taking care of people. And then you've got a separate production manager. On an artist that's, you know, kind of just maybe you're out with an acoustic artist who's just doing his own thing, then maybe the tour manager is is doing uh, touring, merch, production management, maybe even managing the artist if it's independent. So it gets a little, it can overlap quite a bit, but if we're talking just strictly on a uh, tour manager for the majority of what I've done for some of the, the uh, what I would call kind of, I mean, I hate 
talking about artists this way, but like kind of a mid-level artist who sure. doesn't have a lot of people going out. A lot of what a tour manager does is advance a show. And uh, what we call advancing is once a, a show is booked by a booking agent, they'll send that contract over to management. Management will s- typically send that contract um, or the details of that contract to a tour manager. Tour manager will begin advancing the show, and that will be calling the promoter and advancing aspects of logistics and production and just all the details, making sure that all the rider details are taken care of. What's a rider? Is that is that where you're like, hey, I only want green M and M's? Yeah, and and the funny thing, there's a story about the green M and M's, which is, is is pretty funny. I think it was I think it was Aerosmith who did it, and I want to hear that story. Uh, <laughs> if I'm if I'm if I've got if I've got um, I might not have my facts straight straight, but it's similar to this at least. I think it was Aerosmith had put was it Aerosmith? Might have been Van Halen. I don't know. It was Aerosmith yeah, or Van Halen. Anyway, somebody. one of them they had put in in the rider that they didn't want any green M and M's or or brown M and M's. They want all those taken out. The reason that was in the rider was to make sure that the promoter had read the rider, uh-huh. so they knew if either it wasn't addressed or it wasn't done that they didn't fully read the rider. So there you go. Yeah, so that's what it was. Our our show's producer just said it was Van Halen and it was brown M&M's. Fact check. Fact check. It. It's love awesome. It. Thank you, sir. So let's just just walk me through what is a typical advance let's say I'm a promoter and I'm bringing in Jeremy Camp you know, just pretend like you're calling me. What do you, what's the conversation going to run down? Sure. Like? I'd call, I'd introduce myself, you know, and just identify myself, say who I was, um, ask if they had gotten the rider. First off, I always thank the promoter for bringing us in. I personally am very grateful for what I do. Mm. Um, humbled by the fact that someone's even hiring me and bringing me in. So that's awesome. And just being relational, you want to make sure that basically they're your client. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you are thanking them for bringing you in uh, and, and, and making them feel uh, valued because they are valued. So yeah. uh, that's the biggest thing, I think, relationally. Uh, second, want to make sure that they've gotten all the materials that they need. Even I even double-check promotional materials, uh, making sure that they've got everything they needed from management, from booking, uh, if they had any uh, interaction with the label for any reason. I just make sure that they have everything they need. And if they don't, then I make those connections and make sure that stuff's taken care of. Make sure they have the rider that they've read through it, if they, they've understood everything. So communication is the best thing. Yeah. And if there are any issues, I always love to get those done six weeks out. And if we're going to have any kind of argument or any kind of discussion that's any remotely negative, I like to get that done six weeks out instead of the day of, uh, you know, we just kind of talk through all that, make sure it's good, make sure we're all on the same page. I'm very detailed when I advance shows. I take notes. I f- send follow-up emails of what we talked about. Paper trails are your best friend. And that way, when you get to the day of show and they say, we didn't talk about this, you have an email. And you're like, well, actually, we did. Um, you know, and you're just nice about it. I've been doing this for 13 years. I think I've yelled twice wow. in 13 years, you know. So I think um, if you do diligent work up front, it's a lot. It's a it's a lot less of a headache on on the back end for sure. So I'm going off on a tangent, but that's that's kind of what you do is just opening up communication, making sure that they're fulfilling their responsibilities. Say if the contract says that the promoter's providing hotels, food, uh, you know, all, all of the meals and and runners. Make sure that the runners are set up. Uh, make sure that meals are good. 
um, if you've got any allergies in you know the artist you're working with or any um, you know someone's a vegan things like that make sure all those meals are taken care of accommodations make sure that the hotels if the promoter's paying for them I usually call the hotel I double check make sure the rooms are fully paid for make sure that they don't need a credit card for incidentals so it's just a lot of details that if you ha- that you're handling up front so the day of show no one's asking any questions mm. so once you're done with all that, you prepare what's what you would call an advance, and you send that to the artist. You send it to the promoter to, to look at. A lot of tour managers are using software now. A lot of guys are using something called Master Tour. Um, there are several others that you can use, and, and basically um, you're putting all the information up on this. All the artists and band and, and crew have access to that. It's on their phone, and you just kind of look up, and you can read all the information. Yeah. Also, you will be printing out what are called day sheets, and you're going to put those up on the bus or in the dressing room, and they'll have all the information that's pertinent to the day uh, for the artists and, and, and for the band so they know where they can go. So they're not bugging you like 10 times a day. Exactly, right? <laughs> which they still do because it's funny because, you know, when I'm out with artists that I don't tour manage, I, I mean, I, I still bug the tour manager about stuff <laughs> I should just read. So kind of you know, hurt my own self. But so, yeah, um, you know, if you're on a bus, um, you know, the tour manager is typically getting out and putting arrows down. So you walk off the bus and it's literally an arrow on the ground showing you where to go. And a lot of that seems... Um, kind of diva-ish to a lot of people who've not been on the road. But when you're on the road, you go to sleep in one city and you wake up in another city and you get out and you have no clue where you are. So when you have an arrow pointing you somewhere, you don't have to walk around a venue opening doors and every one of them locked except except one and you're, you know, you're holding your bag in one hand and you're in your pajamas. It just, you know, it's maybe it's not, even have your kid in the other hand. Got a kid in the other hand. Absolutely. You know, so, so the errors are extremely helpful. So, you know, um, a, a lot of ways it is like third grade, but you know, it helps. So it's great. That's, those are all really actionable. So what are some skills that if, if people out there are, are maybe wanting to get into a tour management role, maybe they're not necessarily singers or people on the front of the stage, but listeners listening who want to be be active behind the scenes Mm -hmm. what are some of the skills required to be a good tour manager sure um first i would say uh, just being detail oriented is probably the biggest thing second being relational uh third being patient patience is a big deal just because you're dealing with a lot of different people and you're dealing with a lot of different issues and personalities and those kind of things and as a tour manager you're kind of the middleman in a lot of that. So you're a liaison between the artist and the promoter and management and booking and everybody else. So in a lot of ways, you're you're juggling trying to keep everybody happy. And I love win-win situations. Um, and I think that I think the majority of the time there is a way to uh, compromise and and make it a win-win situation. You know, so. Detail oriented is probably the biggest thing. I mean, you, you need to make sure that you're you're crossing your T's, dotting your I's, and making sure everything's taken care of. Um, because if it does, if something doesn't get taken care of, um, and it just messes up the flow of the whole day. But for those people who are inclined to that, a little toward the left of a OCD, you know, I think tour managing is great. I think it's fun. It's a lot of work, um, but it's it's cool, man. Yeah, you know, I dig it for sure. That's great. So we talk about. Uh the concept of balance in life and family and work and touring and whatever it is you do. Can you speak a little bit, maybe even 
from personal experience, maybe not. I mean, what are some of the things that you have to do when you're when you're on the road as much as you are? Two hundred shows a year is a lot of time to be away from somebody, whoever that is, whether mm-hmm. you're married or not married. What are some of the the, the key things that you've got to do to to make that work? Balance is extremely important. Uh, you know, from personal experience, I've I've suffered from you know being a workaholic, and and it's it's hard to maintain relationships. It's hard enough to maintain relationships being on the road anyway. Um, so when I started doing this, um, you know, I'd have friends from home call, and I haven't, you know, they would be upset because I hadn't talked to them in in a month or two, and it literally seemed like a week to me. So time is time is different on the road. Uh, because you don't have the structure of a Monday through Friday week, and then your weekend, and the Monday through Friday starts again. That's not really how it works. I would look at my my year, and I would say spring tour, summer festivals, fall tour, Christmas tour. So I lump it into months at a time, not weeks or not days. Um, so it's 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 a different mentality um, because the people you're on the road with, they have the same mentality. And again, like I was uh, talking a little before you run into people that you haven't seen for years and you pick up right where you left off, which is different than a typical relationship where, you know, you kind of cultivate that by spending time. We don't have that luxury being on the road. So you have to restructure your time. So balance is a big part of that. Now, when it comes to family, obviously you can't operate a family that way. So you've got to find a way to when you're home, be present and not be gone because you're gone enough. Yeah. So when you do come home, you have to be very uh, deliberate with uh, giving your wife or your kids or your significant other, whatever that is, dedicated time where your mind's not somewhere else. And again, a lot of a lot of that comes back to uh, finances. I mean, if you're if you're not making a lot on the road and you got to come home and work another job, then and your family starts to suffer, then you have to reevaluate, is this for me? Yeah. Is this working? Is this working for us? And again, uh, you know, when you're single, you can do that a little differently because you can reprioritize, well, I can cut my finances back and it's only me. When you have a family or you're in a relationship, then you've got that other person to think about. And I can definitely say from experience and from making tons of mistakes that Family and relationships are more important than anything. Mm. More important than your dream. It's more important wow. than uh, than money and success. In the end, those are the things that count. Mm. You know. So uh, I'm a believer in listening to people who've been there and done that, and not repeating someone else's mistakes. So I can definitely say, you know, put family first and put relationship first, because in the end, the end of your life, that's what's going to matter. That's what's going to matter to you. You know. And if if you're in a situation where you're, you've got a supportive spouse or significant other that is is supporting your dream, um, then you just kind of, man, yeah, you go with it and you go with it till it stops working and then you reevaluate from there. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I, I feel like we keep going back to, we, we've had some, some themes arising in this show, one of being a servant and number two, the balance and the relationship part. Because we've interviewed some had the chance to interview some really awesome folks on the show, yourself included. And it, it's, it's like, yeah, listen to it. They're all saying the same thing. There's probably a reason, you know, mm. having, having another number one or doing another tour at the end of the day is, is awesome. It's, it's all great. And it's all stuff to be thankful for. But 
I mean, if you look back at the end of it, that's not going to be the stuff that you, you know, you're really going to th- be thinking about. So I think that's really good. Yeah, it's it's it, it reminds me, I, I had a friend who, um, we were kind of talking about it and he, he played with a, he played with an artist who repeatedly played all the, you know, big music award shows and all this, you know, Grammys and all this stuff. And he was just saying, you know, that the first time you play an award show, the first time you play the Grammys, everybody's, everybody's loving it. The next time nobody cares, you know, it's just, nobody cares. It's you've done it. And all your friends are like, okay, yeah. You know, and he and we were kind of talking about it, and and a lot of that stuff is, you're doing it for other people. You're doing it to look cool, you know. And but in the end, does it does it really matter? No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, it was cool to do, but if you sacrificed family or relationship for it, who cares? You know, right? Who cares? Well, that's funny you brought that up. We were just talking about that in the studio with an artist yesterday who brought up Justin Bieber and he was on the Billboard Music Awards last night or two nights ago. Mm-hmm. And then he posted this big thing about it. I don't know if you saw it or not, but mm-hmm. it's actually a really cool thing. He kind of goes off on how he just feels wrong about just even being at award shows. And it's just the focus is all weird. And it's just, you know, yeah, you're trying to impress your friends and you go to one of them and you win those things and it's really cool. But I have a little bit of personal experience. This week, I got a letter from my high school in Ohio that I went to. It was a small little Christian school. Like, I graduated maybe 50 people in my class. That's awesome. And they sent me an email about saying, hey, you, you know, you've been selected as the 2016 World Changer Award from the alumni. That's great, man. And to me, I got that. And, I mean, we've, you know, our team, we have four, I think, four Grammys collectively. I have two and... Other guy from our team has four of them, and it was almost cooler with that. I don't know what it was, <laughs> but there was something of like your little small hometown high school that nobody nobody else ever is going to care about it except right. for me. But I I completely resonate with that. Well, but knowing Seth, for those of you who don't know Seth, Seth's probably the most and and his reputation is being one of the most humble guys in our industry wow. and extremely talented guy and never acts like it i met seth when he moved to town in a band and nobody knew who he was and he is the same person he was then Mm. i mean just has always been so kind so humble and all of his success hasn't changed anything just the way he handles himself uh, the way he treats other people i mean that that is the reputation you have around town and everybody who knows you feels that way so man thank you for being that example no, I, awesome. I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and likewise, I mean, it's when, when we were working together on shows, touring, and I think, I think you may have even done some kind of tour management advancement stuff for mm-hmm. us. It's the same deal. I mean, it, it's all about being a servant. It's about the relationship because, mm-hmm. I mean, here we are, whatever, six years later mm-hmm. now sitting here having a different conversation than mm-hmm. Hey, can you call and make sure they have a green room? <laughs> <laughs> or where's our trailer? <laughs> or where's our trailer? That's a real story. For for the avid diehard podcast listeners, you can go back to the very first episode and hear about that story, which is kind of funny about our trailer being swallowed up by the state of Iowa. <laughs> this guy was right in the middle of that, which was kind of funny. I didn't even know it was missing. Walt was the guy that called me and told me, hey, uh, <laughs> Is your trailer still in Iowa? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so I would love to end up 
kind of on a high note, is there a like a funniest moment in tour managing or being on the road story that you you might be able to share with our listeners? Um, oh, man, there there are tons of or funny a few moments. of them. <laughs> Um, there was a, uh, this wasn't really, this was, oh, I can't say who it was. Um, <laughs> you don't have to divulge names. You don't have to di- divulge any of that I was, stuff. yeah, but I you was. you can if you would like. <laughs> well, I can say this. I was, uh, I was in Norway uh, with some friends and uh, we had been up probably 36 hours with flights and layovers and everything else. And uh, we were with the promoter and we're driving through this beautiful mountain uh, past these beautiful mountains in Norway and there's this huge lake and it's winter time there and so we pull off on the side of the road and it's, it's like this big river beside this mountain and we're sitting there and, and I got dared by the guys to uh, just strip off of my clothes and swim across the other side I was it was $500 <laughs> so that's pretty good money pretty good money man so uh, you know I'm like dude $500 I'm in I'm doing it yeah. and, and this these guys always get me because I'm <laughs> I'm stupid, <laughs> and they just they throw out these insane amounts of money for stuff that's impossible to do. And of course, I'm going to try it. So yeah, so I swim halfway through and do 36 hours. And I was just done. So <laughs> I didn't make it. I didn't even get half. But it was cool because I was naked in a river in Norway. So yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It's a good story. But that there's there's tons of funny stories. Um, I, I would say the 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 biggest mistake I made as a tour manager early on was not paying attention to time zones. Mm. So I didn't understand or pay attention to the concept of Eastern Central Mountain and Pacific. So you, you know, definitely showing up late an hour late to shows because I didn't yeah. you know I didn't account for that. Booking flights wrong, so you know, booking a seven p.m. flight instead of a seven a.m. flight, <laughs> not realizing that, like, realizing that until the day of check-in. So things like that, expensive mistakes that you learn early on, but uh, you only make those mistakes once. Right. So once you make them, and that's the thing. I mean, there's you learn from your uh, incorrect decisions, and you just move on. You don't get caught up about it. You know, I mean, uh, so much of life is learning from your mistakes and. You know, a lot of guys that come here and they're not sure if they want to play, I, I always tell them that you try it, man. I mean, learning what you don't want to do is just as important as learning what you do want to do. You know, at least that was my experience. So you, you, you try things and you try if you think you might want to tour manage, try it. See if you're good at it. If you don't like it, then don't do it again. You know, it's, it's great. Well, this has been Walt Smith, and I hope you guys were taking notes if you weren't. Go back, listen to the show again, and do it with a pencil in hand because you were just dropping wisdom all over the place. So I think we're we're probably gonna have ten Instagram quotes just from this episode. So. <laughs> That's amazing. So thank you for uh, taking the time to just share your wisdom, part your knowledge with, especially you know we we know it's music is not an easy thing to get into. It's not an easy thing to stay in. And you've been doing it for 12, 13 years at a very high level, keeping integrity, keeping, again, going back to reputation, Walt has about the best reputation. You can, nobody that you ask who he is in Nashville, it's, it's, all, it's all gold. So, so I think there's a lot of, of good things to take away from this conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, I'm honored, Seth. Thanks so much for bringing me in. appreciate it. This has been the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz show is produced by full circle music with editing help from jericho scroggins make sure to check us out online 
and download our top 10 tips for successful songwriting at freegrammytips.com. Go to freegrammytips.com. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat, all you Snapchatters out there. Our Snapchat is full circle M, just the letter M as in music, full circle M. And follow us on Instagram at full circle music co. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back next week. Thanks for listening.